Hello and welcome to the Fabulous by Design podcast. I'm your host, Evie. I am excited you are listening today. This show inspires and empowers you to take the next step towards a life you can't stop thinking about. I am bringing in people from all over the world with authentic and inspiring stories. People who change their lives from good to better, from miserable to great, turned strategy into hope and became successful entrepreneurs and business owners, living their dream life on their own terms. Grab your favorite note-taking device, lean back and get inspired. I believe that everything you need to create the life of your dreams is already within you. My guest today is Linda, owner of Bella Busta Secret, where she helps busy women with meal planning, prepping, cooking, as well as coaches them how to serve dinner with side dishes of clever conversations with their families. I am so excited to have you here today, Linda. Welcome. And would you like to introduce yourself to our audience? Absolutely. Thank you for having me here. So my name is Linda Letterman, and I'm the owner of Balabusta's Secret. And like you said, I teach busy women, sometimes dads, on how to meal plan, prep, cook, and then serve dinner with fun and clever conversation, games and laughter at your dinner table. I'll, I'll let you know what a balabusta is because it'll put everything else in context. So a balabusta is an old-fashioned Yiddish term. And you say, well, you know, who speaks Yiddish? What do I need a Yiddish term for anything? But what it means is a woman who makes a fine home. Now, my fine home is not the Martha Stewart home. I'm the anti-Martha Stewart. My fine home is the place where everybody wants to go. They know that they're going to be welcome with great conversation, great Empathy, great laughter, tremendous food, and you just want to soak up all that wonderfulness in their homes. And so that's what a balabusta is. And I teach parents how to make that welcoming home in their house. Oh, this is cool. This is really cool. And I can really relate to this because my mom was very busy. We didn't, we, we had a lovely home, but I did not enjoy the eating part at home. It was not, it was something you just do, right? Because you get hungry. By the end of the day, we all come home after sports. We just quickly eat something because we need to move on with life, right? So, but I did experience this, um, dinners with either other other people's houses or now I'm enjoying it even more as I get older so I can really relate to what it means to to be in this in this sense of welcoming um, scenery enjoying food and actually having fun and this is the moment where you can forget about everything that has happened in the day at least this is what it you know, does that- that that's so important because you know our lives are so busy right now and we're being pulled in so many different directions and that's true of our family as well and we don't take the time to sit down and connect with each other in any kind of meaningful way mm-hmm. and part of what i do is i help people create memories because mm-hmm. You need your memories to go forward. You need to teach your family what's important in life. And if you can create that atmosphere in your home where everybody is excited about getting together, you know, it's a skill that not only they appreciate for themselves, but it's one that they'll learn to pass on to their families and do as themselves as adults when they grow older. And I think that's so important. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree with you. In Europe, Pinyan, like, why do you personally think that we don't take, first of all, conscious time for eating anymore and conscious time for ourselves 
and families. Although I have to mention, we sit all together on one table, right? It's not like right. we sit apart in different corners. We sit on one table, yet we are not consciously present. Right. So the biggest complaint I hear, well, there's a bunch of complaints I hear from the people that I work with. Number one on the list is they don't have time. Number mm-hmm. two on the list is they don't know how. Number three on their list is everybody wants something to eat differently and I don't have the patience to do all this. Number four is it's just not on my radar. I didn't grow up with it. I don't know what to do. We all need to eat. I'll give them something. I feel guilty. I feel terrible, but I don't know what to do about it. So it's really, a. or I also work with a lot of people who say, I know how to cook, but I'm in a rut and I cook the same things. You know, over here, we have taco Tuesdays and people make tacos on Tuesdays and <laughs> they're in a rut. And so they feel like, it's boring. I'm bored. I don't have time to learn anything new. I'd love to learn something new, but it takes too much time. It's too complicated. And the truth of the matter is what I teach people is dinner doesn't have to be complex in order to be delicious. Mm -hmm. And if you know the tricks on what you're doing, as which is true in any business that you run or you're a part of, if you know what you're doing and how to do it, it doesn't take that much time and you can make it that much better. Mm. I would love to hear more about that in a moment. What I would be curious about, because you mentioned in our previous conversation that you haven't been even good in cooking and you were abandoned by your family from the kitchen, right? I was. <laughs> when when I, My oh. mother, I don't come from a family of good cooks. My dad was a tremendous griller, made the best food on the world in the grill, but that would be on the weekends. And my mom was boring A to Z. She knew her handful of dishes and we had them. We had our certain dish on Tuesday, our certain certain dish on Wednesday, our certain dish on Thursday, and it never varied. And she wasn't big on flavoring or seasonings or anything else. And so when I was in high school, I said to my mom, mom, you're a terrible cook. And she said, okay, smart Alec. And she went out and she bought me a book called The Joy of Cooking. And at the time it was this humongous, humongous recipe book and it had no pictures and she said okay once a week you're going to pick out a recipe tell me the ingredients you need I'll go buy them and you cook see how much better you can be well now the pressure was on holy moly I couldn't pick any recipe that was ordinary because I already told her she was boring I had to do something else so and there were no pictures and I didn't know how to cook so I was definitely at a disadvantage and my first thing I picked out was Swedish meatballs. Now, I never had a Swedish meatball. I am not Swedish. I have no idea what it's supposed to look like, taste like, or anything. Let me tell you, it was awful. It was awful. But my family said, okay, uh, your first time out the gate, we'll give you a little flexibility here. Let's see what you come up with next week. So the next week, I came up with veal cordon bleu. I'm probably not even saying it correctly. One short question. Did you follow the recipe properly? I did. Okay. Well, I thought I did, but how did I know? I never, I never cooked anything before. So um, then I made this veal dish the next week, equally bad. By the third week, my cooking was so bad. They said, you're now banned from the kitchen. You're not allowed to cook. Now, most people at that point would have said, I'm defeated. You know, who cares? Who needs to know this? I'm the exact opposite. And I took it as a challenge. And I said, okay, game on. I am going to learn how to cook and I'm going to be really, really good at it. And I bought cookbooks and I went to cooking classes. And in between, I became a lawyer and I would entertain my friends and have people over and really, really develop my skills. And 
it came to a point where I was the go-to person when people needed recipes or help or ideas. And that was really wonderful. But I had a career. And then what happened was I got married late in life. I had kids late in life. And I wanted to take some time to appreciate my family. So I said, all right, no time to appreciate my family. And I took some time off. And as my kids got a little older and their friends would come over for play dates and sleepovers, we'd have dinner and I would make something. We'd play games at the table. And the kids would say to me, we don't have fun at the dinner table. My mom doesn't cook like this. Can you teach her? And the light bulb went off. And I realized that... um, The journey that I went on is something I can teach other people in a much more condensed, easy, digestible way. Mm. And this is what sparked Bella Busta's secret, I believe, right? Yes, exactly. Okay. I have a question to that. It is something very unique because probably I haven't been digging deep enough to see how many coaches are out there that are doing what you are doing. And maybe it's even very rare, right? When people come up with ideas, right? This idea was sparked by your own experience, by your life experience, and you just wanted to give back what you established, right? You wanted to teach people how to make their life easier and you wanted to share your wisdom, your knowledge. How was the, this process when you started You started Balabusta Secret? Have you have ever had a doubt that this is actually not such a good idea or maybe people don't want to even buy or people don't want to make use of your services? Was there ever a doubt? Everybody always has doubt, but I'm not one to give into the doubt. You know, I do my homework. I research, Mm -hmm. is there a market for it? Is there a desire for it? And when you tell people what you're doing, you can, you need to listen for feedback Mm -hmm. and they will tell you, oh yeah, I would love to do that. Oh yeah, but I, uh, this is the angle that I really need it instead, you know? And so any business you start, you can't just go into it blindly and say, I assume everybody wants what I have to offer because you don't know. So you have to do your, your foundational work to see that what you want to do is viable. And it may be viable, but you need to learn how to tweak it. And most businesses need to be tweaked as they develop. Mm-hmm. You know, you never stay stagnant. So if you're open to listening and you're open to learning and you have an idea of the direction you want to go and you have the foundational knowledge you can do what you set yourself out to do. Mm-hmm. So every idea is valid. Is this what you're saying? Everything should be validated. Mm-hmm. And if not, you can still take your idea in a different direction and see if that's more desirable by the audience that you want to reach. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you for the insight and thank you for your thoughts. I think this is what people struggle the most if they come up with something that's the, the first spark is the first idea is being overly exciting being like oh my god this is so great i'm gonna do this and the second moment the inner critic gets loud and be like no who needs that right but if we do I, I, I think that's natural you know i think it's very easily very easy to feel defeated mm-hmm. because our egos are a little fragile or we're not really sure that we're the expert we're making believe that we are you know the self-doubt creeps into everything naturally. Mm -hmm. And it's a question of your core beliefs. You Mm -hmm. know, if you are confident in your skills, then you don't have to listen to everybody saying you have no skills. I mean, my family told me I was terrible. And at the time, yes, I was terrible. But I did something about it to not be that way. Mm 
So even if you're a little shaky on skills, you can learn. For instance, when I was an attorney, a practicing attorney, I had a secretary, I had a staff. I did not work on a computer at the time. They were, you know, just coming out and I didn't need to do that because I had a staff who did. Mm -hmm. Um, And it sounds terrible and snotty and I apologize for that, but I could dictate what I wanted to have been typed up and done. So I didn't have those skills. I didn't even know how to type because I could unpack with on a typewriter. That was it way back when. But when I started my own business, I realized, wow, there is a whole wealth of skills I don't have. I needed to learn the computer. I needed to learn social market, social media. I needed to learn A, B, C, and D. And again, I didn't take it as a deficiency that would stop me from doing what I needed to do. I just took it as, okay, here's some steps I need to learn to get me where I want to go. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think that the, the fear of failure is as well something common. And let me go back again to cooking. Do you experience those inner critics and those loud voices in people's heads as well in the kitchen? Yes. And I have a, I have a, a trick that I teach people to do because, you know, you could work hard and be really proud of yourself. Oh, I'm finally making a good dinner, blah, 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 blah. And you serve it to your family and yick, <laughs> you know, they're not really happy. And then there go your bubble is burst and there goes your confidence. But what I teach people to do is don't take that as a defeat. You know, everything's a learning lesson if you're willing to learn from it. So when I create a concoction for dinner and I usually am making different things all the time, I'll serve it to my family. And the first thing I'll say is, is it a thumbs up or a thumbs down? If I get a thumbs down or a mediocre thumbs I don't, again, say, oh, well, I really screwed up this time. No, I say, well, what could I do better next time to make it better? Now Mm -hmm. I'm engaging my family in a whole bunch of things. I'm giving them skin skin in the game. I'm telling them I'm not quitting. You're going to see this again. And I'm asking them for their opinions on what are their taste buds needs? What are their textural needs when they eat their dinner? What are the sensory things that I could be doing differently to make this meal better, more appealing, more tasty. So now it's a win for me. Even if the meal came out terrible, it encourages my family to keep eating it, to figure out what they need to do differently about it. And then the next time when I make it, incorporating some of those suggestions, they kind of feel like they owe it to themselves to figure out, ooh, did I do it right? And she validated my opinion, which is huge if you have kids in your family or a partner. Um, So it's a win-win no matter how you approach it, as long as you approach it in a way that you're not defeated. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's not entire, it's not failure. You can only learn. Mm -hmm. Everything goes up from from the bottom. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't mean that you are a terrible cook either. It's just the perception of other people. Something was off. Yeah, that's yeah. It's just not. It's not their taste, or it's not their day, or if I'm some, I I am a big fan of raw salads because I am usually in very warm countries, right? And when, especially in Greece over the summer, it's so hot in the day that I can't eat anything else. But autumn hits eventually, and this is the time where I start having the urge of wanting a little bit warmer dishes, right? I'm craving potatoes and I want to have, you know, some some comfy meals, right? And warm meals. And then people are disappointed because I don't communicate, right? On time. And somebody serves me my favorite salad because they know I love it, right? And I'm like, no, I'm not up for that, right? And people immediately are 
you know, offended because, but this is your favorite. How can you not, right? If I would have communicated properly that it's actually the seasonal change that I experience so much, if I would have told them, then probably people wouldn't have been disappointed and doubting themselves, right? Yep. And, and eating the season, um, you know, your taste buds are allowed to evolve and they're mm -hmm. allowed to evolve with the seasons. And when you eat seasonally appropriate foods, you're actually getting better nutrition in your body. So it's perfectly natural to, to want to evolve with the seasons and your body needs other comforts depending on the weather. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I think it, now it just um showcases to me how important communication is over and over again and no matter the topic right yeah also on the kitchen table and in the kitchen and to communicate to the cook that sorry this is not it today yeah. what can we do and you're, you're allowed to have different moods you know mm -hmm. and different moods needs different foods to nourish you so you know you we're human and, and i would hate to think that we're so static that we can only stay in that little tiny parameter of what one time you said was good. Mm -hmm, absolutely. Yeah. Before we get to speak, because I would love to hear um, uh, about your dinner time sanity saving secrets, if you would like to share them. But before we go into that, I have another question, which and probably many people are curious about that. How to deal with the situation if you have several requests on one dinner table, right? Like I am vegetarian, for example, my if we would eat together, my father is he loves meat. He, he says he needs meat in, in his dishes. Then my my brother doesn't like mushrooms. The other person doesn't like that. How to deal with that? If this is shortly sure. explainable. Right. You could either spend your day making a thousand different meals, which probably is not the most productive use of your time. Or you can serve a dinner that's got different components that people can add the components that they like best into that dinner. So I'm thinking of like, um, we call them Buddha bowls. And it's a bowl and you put a grain in it, you put some vegetables in it, you can put sauces or seasonings in it, and then a protein. Mm -hmm. And so you can have maybe a, a tofu or tempeh dish if you're a vegetarian, maybe a seafood dish or chicken dish or whatever. And you don't have to make that in quantity, but you can make it enough where they can pick and choose what protein they want to put in and everything else, everybody's eating the same thing. You could do simple things like make your own pizzas. It doesn't have to be um, a Buddha bowl. There's mm -hmm. a lot of dishes that you can make that have the same flavors and textures that people like that this, using ingredients that they may not be familiar with. And so you can do a lot of compromising that way as well. Mm -hmm. That's a good one. That's really good. Thank you. It just sometimes, you know, it needs a little bit of a little advice a little little bit of a um a different voice that says like yeah it's possible it's not it's, it's possible and yeah. and so many people are in that situation it's not only dietary preferences but sometimes it's dietary needs mm -hmm. you know you may have somebody who you know has to have low sugar or somebody who's got a, is on a high protein diet or somebody who's you know there's a thousand different diets out there that either they prefer to do or that they need to do for their physical health and so if you can be adaptable in your thinking and adaptable in your recipes then you can satisfy everybody one of the things i do when i work with people is i teach them how to substitute ingredients because just because a recipe says you need A, B, C, and D in it doesn't mean that's how you have to make it. And it doesn't mean that's how your family's going to like it. Mm -hmm. So you need to know what people's preferences are 
And you also don't have to run out to the grocery store all the time. If you know how to make your substitutions, all of a sudden, yeah, I don't have that ingredient, but this is similar. I can use this instead. You're cutting down on your time because you're not going to the grocery store, buying everything that your recipe needs, and you're learning how to be flexible in your cooking. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thank you for the insights. Thank you so much, Linda. So, and what about your sanity-saving secrets? Would you like to share? Sure. So I like to focus on obviously time-saving techniques because that's really a common problem with a lot Mm -hmm. of people. So one thing that I I teach people to do is called batch cooking. And what batch cooking is, you make more of a particular ingredient, what you're cooking, and you're going to repurpose your leftovers on another day. Because a lot of people don't like leftovers, particularly Mm -hmm. kids. And they say, I saw that already. It's leftover because I didn't like it. You know, so don't give it to me again. But if you learn how to modify it, maybe they will. So an example of that is if I'm going to make a chicken tiki masala, which is just a a curry sauce on, if you want to make really quickly on chicken tenders with sauteed ginger and garlic and onions, add the, the tenders to cook in five minutes, add your tiki masala sauce. You can buy one already made, cover it up in 10 minutes, your dinner's done. So I would make a, a side dish of rice with it and I'd make a lot of rice. And I would take my leftovers maybe a day or two later and I turn it into fried rice because the secret of cooking fried rice is you need to use day old rice. You're ahead of the game already. So half your meal is already cooked because you've already done that rice. So now you're not waiting for the rice to cook before you do something else. And if you have leftover protein from another meal, you put on it and you have tofu fried rice or shrimp fried rice or whatever you want. And that dinner comes together in 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. You're not cooking from scratch. And there's many, many ingredients you can use as a batch cook base that you can repurpose later on in the week to cut your cooking time. So batch cooking is a tremendous sanity saver. Meal prepping, if you have an idea of what you're going to be cooking during the weekend, I work with people who like to, some people like to meal plan and have their meals mapped out for the week. Other people say, oh, don't bother me. You know, I want to be inspired, but I still want to be a little bit organized because right now my my situation isn't working. Mm-hmm. So I say, all right, so there's meal prepping you can do. If you have a general idea of what you're going to cook in the week and you know a couple of things you want to cook, it's going to use garlic. My family loves garlic. So I know I'm going to use garlic in no matter what I'll be cooking during the week. So when I'm chopping or mincing or cutting my garlic, I'll cut a whole bunch and then I'll just portion it out. So when I'm cooking another meal during the week, I'm not sitting there cooking, cutting the same garlic before I have to do something else. Do it with your onions. If you know you're going to use onions a couple of times in the week, cut them up in advance. So you're saving your time and now your dinner routine is not as time consuming on days where you really just don't want to be working that hard. And there's many, many other tricks, but those are just some easy examples. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And those cutting parts are the most annoying, actually, especially when <laughs> you're done with your day and you know, especially I feel like after exhausting that you want to eat something proper, right? And I mean, in my case now, I can go easily to a local restaurant, which is very good, but this is not always available, right? So you have to sit there and cut your onion, peel the potatoes and everything can be actually prepared. That's that's very That's very helpful. Thank you. Linda, you mentioned before before, your lawyer career, right? And then you transitioned into a coaching business, which is very special, I find, um, because you wanted to be there for your kids, for your family, right? Would you like to showcase a little bit how your life has changed since you left the lawyer career? 
very, very different challenges. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved the law. I loved the mental challenge. I, I loved the excitement about the projects I was working on. Um, it's, it's really wonderful. And there were downsides too that weren't so wonderful. And it gave me a professional identity that most people recognize. Everybody knows what a lawyer is. They know what kind of work you had to do to get to be in that profession. It's a good ego booster. Mm-hmm. You know, when people sometimes find themselves defined by the title or the nature of the job they do. So to say that I wanted to transition to a different career, let alone that was more family-based and, for lack of a better term, less um, mentally demanding, which mm-hmm. is not really true, but people perceive it as less mentally demanding. It's a big identity change you need to have for yourself. And you need to have your own personal grit and determination to say, listen, I'm not defined by my professional title. I'm defined by what I do, what I create, who I inspire, who I help, what difference I make to people in the world and my family. So you, some to extent, you need to adjust your thinking about yourself. Mm-hmm. And if you can, and when you do that, it'll make the next leg of whatever journey you're going on that much more satisfying. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. And I think why people perceive it as less mentally because a job as a lawyer, this is what everybody knows, right? This is something very, um, people know what a lawyer is, right? Not many people know what a cooking coach is. And I think in our society, it's always, it still goes in the direction where people say like, you need a proper job. And I think being a lawyer is a proper job, right? And then Linda comes up with something that she wants to spend more time with her family and she starts cooking. Like, what are you even doing, right? Right. And- Mom's cook. Why is that a profession? <laughs> exactly. And I think people perceive it as less mentally challenging because they don't know what's behind in establishing exactly. a business and running it because now you can speak like, like, you know, it's, it's, it's working out. People are having fun with me cooking and I can help people, but the beginnings are rough. Yeah, well, you know, but you have to start somewhere. Yeah. I don't think anybody goes into any job or any profession an immediate success. Everybody's got to learn the ropes. They have to learn what works, what doesn't work. And you have to fill in the blanks. And hopefully you're always filling in blanks and learning more. You know, I I think life is a learning process. You don't stop just because you got your degree as a lawyer. You don't stop just because you became a mom and know how to cook three dishes. Learning should never stop. And learning should be invigorating and exciting no matter what you're learning and no matter what you're doing. Mm-hmm. it's a process and if you can i think if you can see it as an exciting process these processes can be fun although not always easy but it can be they are manageable with ease this is what i like saying right if you know yes. you're on the right path and you do the work and you learn how to enjoy yourself and not wait for the big success that might never come or not in that direction or whatever because i think this when people chase goals maybe you agree with me that we don't know whether we're gonna but whether the, uh, when we reach our goal, whether this is even going to be desirable. So right. imagine you end up there and you're like, wow, and this is it, which is usually the case because the moment we reach it, it's not that big anymore. It's right. You know, I, I, one of my favorite sayings is it's got to be the going, not the getting there. That's good. If you're not enjoying the process and making the most of every step of your life, it's going to be a letdown when you get to the end. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. 
Thank you for making this complete. And my last question to you, Linda, before I have to say goodbye, although I would have would have loved to listen to more cooking um, advices and <laughs> tips, what do people misunderstand about you the most? Oh, what do they misunderstand about me? They probably think that everything comes easy to me. Um, but that's because I do the work in the background. Mm-hmm. And like I said at the very beginning, if you're willing to put the time in to grow your foundation, it will look easy and it becomes doable for you and you can teach people how to do it for themselves. So things that look easy to you may look very difficult to somebody else. So looks can be deceiving, mm-hmm. but you have to do the work to get to where you want to go. Lovely. Thank you so much. Thank you for sharing. And if somebody is in need to save time, create an amazing atmosphere at a dinner table, treat themselves with good dishes and enjoy cooking again, where can people find you and how can they work with you? Sure. So I have a website, balaboostasecret.com. I have a Facebook group, Easy Weeknight Dinners for Busy Moms. We have a lot of fun in there. Lots of recipes, games, humor, really fun place to be. I have an Instagram account, balaboostas.secret. And if you sign up for, I have a, I can offer your audience a, um, a PDF on one dish uh, recipes. So you're making all your meals in either a sheet pan or a crock pot or, or a Dutch oven, whatever you're using. Great meals with very little cleanup. If you sign up for that, you'll get on my newsletter and you'll see all the offers I have. You can see the offers on my website um, and I'll be in touch with you with new information every week and you can get a real good handle on what's going on and how you want to work with me. Lovely. I love that. I will put it all in the show notes so people can only easily click on that and download and get whatever they need. And one last question. Are you making home visits? Are you cooking with the people in their house or people coming to I you? I do both. I mean, depending where you you live. Obviously, if you're far away, I'm not going to be traveling to your home. But we do a lot of uh, cooking on Zoom and mm-hmm. a lot of experiences on Zoom. And we'll cook alongside of each other if you don't have the skills. I mean, even down to holding your knife the right way. So you're cutting more effectively, safer, um, and faster. So we do, um, when I work with people one-on-one, we start with what do you have? What do you need? What do you know? And know how to use what you have. Mm -hmm. And so that gives us a great roadmap on where we're going to go. And like I said, we can do it on Zoom. I send out workbooks. I send out recipes. I also have a service that um, does meal planning for you. And you can get your meal plans, your shopping list, and your recipes all in one nice package. So it takes out some of that. Again, if you're stressed on time and don't want to think about it, sign up for my meal planning service. And that's really fun, too. And that accommodates whatever kind of diet you need. Mm-hmm. love it and I love that this works digitally nowadays as well <laughs> thank you it's so fun. much thank you so much Linda for being here for having this conversation with me for all your insights and wisdom thank you so much thank you so much and let everybody follow their dreams they're, uh, they're dreams and you can make them into your reality oh, absolutely thank you 
Hey, do you want to create fantastic reels with unique captions quickly? This script has saved me time and brought back the fun of creating reels. The writing, transcript editing and recording program automatically detects errors, ums and speech gaps and much more. I became an affiliate of this script because it eliminates the sucky part of reel and video editing and adds much value to my work as a coach and creator. You can try this script for free by clicking the link in the show notes and reach out to me if you need help with your first edits.